Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss modern-day Jane Austen adaptations. Now covering Emma Approved, I'm Jillian Davis. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. Keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Pemberley. You can help support our running costs on patreon.com slash thepemberley. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. So what have what have you been reading lately? Yeah, let's talk about the new books we're let's reading. Let's dive into the Pemberley Podcast Book Club. Now we have new books to discuss. Yeah, because previously we've just been reading everything we've, we've been, been recommending. recommending books to each other, and that's been our book club. Yes. <laughs> so the past few books I've read, I think I've been in the romance genre for a little bit, and I wanted to jump out of that for a little bit. I feel just to get something different. Mm-hmm. Because reading so many romances in a row, you know, it just you're just like, why why is this not my life? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, especially when you read such good books as The Kiss Quotient next year in Havana. Yes, and, and the, wedding the wedding date. date. Those, Those are all very like, well, fine, I'll just be here yeah. reading about you. <laughs> and these fictional men don't exist. It's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so instead, I'm reading this book called Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, which is her debut novel. Uh, I'm sure many of you know her from writing Little Fires Everywhere, which made a lot of headlines because it was optioned by Reese Witherspoon and it's getting made into a series and all this exciting stuff. But this is her debut novel, and it focuses on a mixed-race Chinese-American family who the daughter at the beginning of the book goes missing, and it's quickly discovered that she is dead. And so it's sort of like starting backwards of like, you find out she has been found dead. And you're trying to find out, like, what kind, what are the events that led up to this happening, basically. So it goes back into the parents of, like, how they met and even all the kids and, like, where they're coming from and, like, just the history of everything that could have possibly led to this result. So it's a it, in the same vein of Little Fires Everywhere that starts with, like, uh, if you haven't read it, this is how the book starts, of, like, the, a family's home on fire, basically. And then, like, going backwards and being like, what are the events that led to this happening? And you figuring out, oh, this is how all the things unfolded and why this house is on fire. In the same way, this book kind of starts out with this, like, major event. And then you kind of go back and find out, like, all of the drama and all the secrets and all the stuff that's, like, being surfaced now. And so it's a really great, like, drama and mystery and all this good stuff. And so... I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm like about halfway through the book. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, I'd recommend you check it out. That's cool. Murder mystery. Yeah. But well, like, not fun. It's not. It's more like, I guess, crime thrill. Yeah. Crime kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Man. what are you reading now? I just finished the most wonderful book that I must share with all of you. And I feel like it's very on brand for us. Cool. Cool. Um, it's called My Plain Jane. And there's, so basically there are three authors, Cynthia Hand, Jody Meadows, and Brody Ashton. So Cynthia, Jody, and Brody are three authors who got together and are writing this series called The Lady Jane. The Lady Janies. And so they wrote this first book called My Lady Jane. And that's about, you know, Jane Grey from Tudor England. So that was their first book. And this is the second book. And you don't need to read the first. Like, one story doesn't have anything to do with the other. They're just, I think, writing about famous historical women named Jane. And so this is basically a retelling of Jane Eyre. Which I will admit, even though I know about Jane Eyre, I haven't 
read the book. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I know it's very on brand of us that we should read it. We should have read it. There's just so much out there. I'll get around to it. This very much reminds me of like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies with the narrator talking about everything that's going on. Except the difference is in this England, England is overrun by ghosts and most people can't see ghosts. But they are very prevalent in society, and there is a division of the government called the Relocation of Wayward Spirits Department or something, Mm -hmm. and there's a star ghost catcher. Like, not everyone can see ghosts. You gain the ability to see ghosts by having- you had to have died and then, like, come back to life. Oh, okay. So people who are, like, cheated death, they're the only ones who can see ghosts and so um it opens at the school the lowwood school where jane Eyre is about to finish her time there and she is best friends with a young woman named charlotte bronte Mm. then basically the star his name is alexander and he's the star of the wayward the relocation of wayward spirits society and he finds out jane Eyre can see ghosts and so he tries to recruit her but she's a nanny at thornfield hall she's there she's in love with rochester but rochester is not who he seems oh and so then twist we, we twist oh there's twists there are many twists <laughs> actually it's, it was very thrilling because you sort of learn about these characters and you're like okay i see you character and then you learn why they're important later and it all sort of assembles a missing puzzle of who everyone is and it's very thrilling and it's very good and it's very it's a long book it's like 464 pages Whoa. but it's a quick read it's like oh, okay. very <laughs> enjoyable it's very fun i recommend it to every single person so you have that book to read now listeners and yeah. you have everything i never told you so don't come back until you've read them <laughs> just kidding come back every week <laughs> And we also actually, I put out a post on Patreon asking for any of your recommendations that you all might have for books to read. And Liz on Patreon recommended A Man Called Ove by Frederick Backman. She says, I loved that one. Ever since becoming a nerdfighter, I've tried to adopt John's philosophy of imagining people complexly. And this book definitely helped me to do that. And I think I have seen this book on um, on like a top seller list or somewhere recently so uh that seems like another good one to check out so that's on our tbr list to be read list <laughs> yeah and if you guys have any uh recommendations for books for us to read or you want to share general book recommendations send them our way and we will talk about them here as well so let's dive into emma approved now Woo-hoo! previously we saw emma pressure harriet into rejecting martin or b mart in order to set her up with her next new client, Senator James Elton. Hmm. And Knightley was quite upset with Emma because she's meddling with an employee's in an employee's life and he doesn't want her to do that. But will she stop? No. She's There's no Emma. stopping Emma. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let's dive in with episode 17, First Impressions, written by Margaret Dunlap. What a great episode title. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because it's both like, yes, the first impressions of meeting Senator James Elton, but a nice little call back into Pride and Prejudice. Oh, what is that? (laughs) First impressions, in case anyone forgot, was the original title for Pride and Prejudice. Exactly. Thank you, Margaret. (laughs) Thank you for giving us that gift. Yeah. Uh, But it is also the first impression of 
Senator James Elton. Yeah. What did? You, what was your first impression of him? Because basically Emma's like, blah, blah, blah. I can't wait to meet this guy. Yeah. And Knightley's been away like climbing rocks and yep. like clearing his head because he's so mad at Emma. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. We don't yeah. Meet. And then it's like, sorry for interrupting. And you hear this like manly voice. And you, So what's your first impression of him? Just exactly how you imagine a young state senator to look. Yep. <laughs> Just very, you know, clean cut, presentable, nice suit. Nice, every nice watch, yeah. and you know he the just, hair. It's done. Good smile <laughs> yeah. and everything. He's just very a presentable man. Like you, you'd introduce him to your parents. Yeah, yeah. Like this is my senator, or maybe <laughs> something else. <laughs> They'd be so proud. They'd be like a senator. I'm oh not ashamed God. of him. <laughs> my mom would be like, "Are you? Are you sure?" Yeah. <laughs> The senator, ooh. Wow, I like your vibe. Yeah. <laughs> My mom wouldn't say vibe, but she'd be thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be like, good job, good yeah. job. Did you think a similar thing about Yeah, I mean, um, I was curious. I mean, so it's interesting. So before I saw this, in the 1995 Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Emma, mm-hmm. it, he's he's not a senator. He's a, um, I forget the name of it, but he's the guy who leads the church. He's basically Mr. Collins. Not a priest, but like a- Got he's it. The, Church guy, a uh, clergyman. Clergyman. It's played by Alan Cumming, who's okay. not like the hottest dude. Sure. You know? You know. So I was, I guess what I wasn't expecting was for him to be like an actually, like an appealing guy. Mm. Like I, I thought, I feel like in that adaptation, they definitely go for this vibe of, you can tell Emma would never want him. And like, that's part of why uh. she's putting him on Harriet. And she's like, you guys are perfect because I'd never want you. <laughs> I guess what's different about this adaptation is you meet James Elton and he's dynamite. You know, yeah. he's like, he's good looking. He's very direct, very well-spoken, very polite. Yeah, he's charming. And I like, you know, I know that you kind of look at them and you're like, they could go together. They look like a perfect match. They're freaking pretty. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Both driven, ambitious people. Yeah. And so right out the gate, I'm like, it's interesting because I was watching this next to you and I was like, I can see him falling in love with her. Yeah. I mean, it's the way she is so direct. He's like, that's refreshing. And you're like... Okay, calm down, Elton, because you're, like, already in love with her. Yeah. Let's talk about turning you from the state's most eligible bachelor to the most happily married man in Sacramento. I figured you would start there, but what if I'm not looking for a wife? You don't have to be married to be happy. Certainly not. Plenty of people are happy without a relationship. Just not you. This is like, hey, do you really want to commit to my matchmaking services? And, like, this is just a taste of what she can do. It's like, yeah, she can dig up info about everything about his dating history, she can pinpoint what he needs without him actually verbalizing it, that sort of deal. And also, like, in Game of Thrones, she's like Viserys, and she's the master of whispers, because, like, (laughs) the first bit of information she gets, she's like, yeah, like, you don't have to be married to be happy, but you need that, because, like, you've had a girlfriend, like, you've never, or she said something like, you haven't been single, single longer than three weeks since the eighth grade, and your last girlfriend was your campaign manager, and she left you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She left. And I'd like to know where she gets her information, because even he was like, can I help you? How do you know that? And she's yeah. like, I'm very good at what I do. And well, I like hearing that. I like hearing that you're good at what you do. But also, who do you know? <laughs> yeah, she brought that up in the last episode, too. And I don't remember if it was Harriet or Emma who said it first, but like they already, she kind of knew that information right off the bat, like without yeah. any research. She just knew that the campaign man, his campaign manager 
recently left him because of the fact that they were dating and they broke up. I don't know. They're just very in the know of all of this info. Maybe she just has like a list of like potential eligible bachelors or like, I don't know. Well, she remember she had Harriet... Look this, right, look for this guy. Right, all the research. So maybe, I think it was Harriet who actually kind of already knew she fa- about She found this. him. So, well, the however, re- she, the research was done, basically. However she knows, he was very impressed that she knew. Yes. And he was very impressed that she knew what he wanted slash needed. And he's like, wow, I'm so impressed that you know what I want and you're direct. Like, girls aren't direct. I'll give him that. <laughs> girls aren't always direct. <laughs> I don't know why. He's into it. And he's into her. Yes. It's very important to note. Very quickly into her because of the directness. I don't know. It's just she's an attractive woman as well. Oh, I'm in love with her. (laughs) She's just, they meet each other at the same level. Like, I feel like they kind of very quickly get each other. Yeah. And the fact that it takes minutes for her to just, like, be so open and honest with him He's just like, whoa, this is different. I want like, her. I mean, for anyone to talk to a politician and for a politician to talk to just normal people, too, they tend to be guarded, too. Of Like, they have to be careful of what they say because anything they can say can be taken out of context. So, like, even, you know, he has that little line of, like, oh, Nixon being recorded. Ha, ha, ha. And that sort of thing. Oh, my gosh. You know? I forgot about that joke. <laughs> so, he just carries that around with him. Ha, yeah, <laughs> Nixon's like, recording. That's his joke to use at, at all times. <laughs> like, everyone likes jokes about Nixon's recording. Yeah. Exactly. But so that I think that's why it's refreshing for him. It's like, oh, this is like a different kind of pace that than I'm used to. Then she tries to bring in her guinea pig, Harriet. And she's like, oh, or no, Harriet knocks and she's like, I've got your reports and I like to imagine the reports aren't real. No, exactly. <laughs> I think Emma, when she said later, like, I'm not going to leave a first impression up to chance, she probably had Harriet like, you're going to knock on the door at this exact moment. And want <laughs> like, you give me these reports. Yeah. And anyway, so then they get into a conversation about celery soda. Right. They're going into like, our, uh, Emma's trying to set up compatibility and mm. like shared interest and go, they're going through stuff and the celery soda Soda is like, I guess, their way in. <laughs> Gross. I would like our listener, all of our listeners to know that we tried, me and Yolanda, tried to locate yes. celery soda. We were hoping like a Whole Foods would happen. I know, there's a new Whole Foods near my apartment. However, the only place we could find it was Amazon, and yeah. it was more expensive than what we were willing to pay. Yeah, if to it in- were like two cans of celery soda for like five bucks, we'd be like, oh, that's reasonable. But, like, it was, like, a whole pack of celery soda. It's like, we're 30 like, bucks. We're like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and also, celery is disgusting. Yeah. If you like celery, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I find it, like, it just doesn't taste like much. We I've always sh- thought it was gross. Yeah. We should, um, though, in the future, just go to Whole Foods and just try to find something Similar? like celery soda. Something weird. Something yeah. weird. And we'll we'll taste it on air, I guess. <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. We'll drink weird or soda. Or we'll try next. to find... The next obnoxious thing he says of like Icelandic yogurt, like that what it like I know about Greek yogurt, <laughs> yes. but let's not mi- like assign every country that like yogurt <laughs> is all the same. Yeah. I also feel like collectively no one really likes yogurt. We tolerate it. Sometimes they add enough flavor that yeah. it's uh, okay. But do any of us really like? Yogurt. I'll I'll eat it for breakfast sometimes. It's like a quick thing to I get. I only and- eat it for the quickness and the protein, but yes. I can't honestly tell you that I like eat yogurt and think, "Wow, I'm so glad I ate this." You know, it fills There's- me up. End of like, you know, I'm never End like in the, 
Like, I'm never, like, in the mood for yogurt, I guess there's, is what I'm saying. There's a, uh, I don't know if they still have it, I'm sure they do, Chobani yogurt. They have, like, those flip cups where it's, like, you dump, like, little chocolate bits into it or something. Yeah. Or you can dump, like, ch- uh, coconut flakes into it and you mix it all up and it's, like, a fun thing. I just feel like the fact that you, like, have to add something delicious to your sure. product in order to make it, like, palatable, I just yeah. feel like that says something about what you're trying to sell this yeah. nation. I will typically just go for, like, a strawberry flavor. That's what I, that's my go-to. We'll try something weird and fizzy to taste uh, on the podcast sometime soon. But in the meantime, Emma's like, why don't you rattle off all the drinks that we have to serve the senator? And then Harriet like goes through the list and she's like, and celery soda, like under her breath. Yeah, because Emma knows, they both know that he loves celery soda and Emma's not leaving anything to chance. So she's like nudging Harriet, be like, say it, say it now. celery soda. (laughs) Tell him. I drank it in college on a bet. What's your excuse? I used to stay with an older neighbor after school and she always had it around. At first I drank it to be polite, but I like it now. She was like, we didn't have a lawn. We lived in an apartment. And then he... He touched her arm and he's like, I'm sorry. We used yes. to live in an apartment too. Well, he's like, he, he didn't have a lawn or something like yeah. that. But he does the politician compassionate reach and like touches her arm like, hey, I can, I have feelings, you know? Like, yeah, I, I do. I can relate to the, the everyday person. Senator <laughs> like, Bot feels bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so. From Emma's point of view. Yes. She's like, ooh, he's touching her. He's touching she her. Touching her. means love. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> she so. has been chosen. <laughs> yeah. So they have that kind of like introduction to each other, like, hey, this is the nice assistant. This is a nice senator. And, you know, that's Harriet's, that's all Harriet's getting out of this episode. But like, Emma's like, all right, you know, at least that first contact has been made. My plan is finally in motion. And even though there's like no chemistry, I can get them to the altar. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. Do Let's talk about what we all saw, their interaction. Do we feel like Senator Elton and Harriet are a good match for each other? I don't look at their encounter and think, oh, they hate each other. They're right. so... But, I mean, maybe I look and think and, they're... They're just not as natural as, like, what Harriet and B-Mart have, right. you know? You, you look at their positions, too. I mean, she is the assistant at this office. She has to be polite to everyone who comes in there. They're, and he has to be polite to everyone, too. She's exactly, a taxpayer. He's a politician because they're both in these positions right now. They have to be polite to each other. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to be have a pleasant conversation mm-hmm. because that's just what it's set up to be. Do you think but he likes her? Do you think he likes her, likes her? He sees her as Emma's assistant. I, yeah. I don't think he sees her as anything more. Yeah. So that's where he's starting. And I don't see it, you know, progressing anywhere else from there. Well, let's make that transition. This is relevant to the next episode. Yes. 18, Practice Date, also written by Margaret Dunlap. We have to say up top, as usual, how gorgeous Joanna looks in that (laughs) green wrap dress and her perfectly curled hair. And I'm just like, you're so beautiful. Uh, she looks great in everything. Everything. And, and her I'm hair just is like, always perfect. <laughs> part of me wants- She's basically a Disney princess. She is basically a Disney princess. She could just walk around Disneyland and kids would want to take pictures with her. Like, you know how you're not allowed to wear costumes to Disneyland because they don't want People the kids to- People would be confused by People her. would be confused <laughs> and she doesn't have to wear a princess. Like, this exactly. beautiful regular dress is her princess exactly. dress. And her power is helping people. We get to see a bit 
of I've, Knightley up top. Yeah. Which we, is nice. We which, haven't seen him since they fought, so. Right. So it's like, we don't know where they stand, really, and they don't know where they stand, because, well, he wants an apology, and she wants an apology, and they're both too stubborn to admit that they're in love, so they're just <laughs> like, uh, none of us are sorry, okay, bye. Emma fundamentally believes she's in the right. So she, oh, like, yeah. He's not going to get an apology out of her no. for that. Like, the only thing they can apologize for is, like, being mad at each other and causing <laughs> a rift. I'm sorry that you think that I should apologize <laughs> is where they're at. That's basically the heavy-handed nature of their yeah. relationship right now. It's very funny. They have their like cute little awkward encounter and then the senator comes and she's like, Senator, you've been off the market for so long. Five months. That's like an eternity for you. You need a practice date. Yeah, which she hasn't been in the like active dating world for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And first dates, He like she wants to get him that first date practice. Not really. Right. She has an agenda. Exactly. She's like, he knows exactly how to do first dates. Uh, he's a politician. He's a politician. He knows everything about talking and dealing with people. She is like, oh, Harriet. Yeah. Have you seen Hocus Pocus? And yeah. you know how Bette Midler calls her book. She's like, oh, book. Yeah. That's kind of how I imagine. <laughs> like, Harriet. And Harriet so they're will like, always appear within a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I like the way they made that transition. She's like, we're going to make this happen right now. She snaps her fingers. And then they're both sitting there. And coffee. she has two cups of coffee ready to go that I'm sure Harriet had to get. And they're so, so weird because they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, we like celery soda and coffee. And yeah. I'm like, most people like coffee. Yeah. Again, and if you don't, you're faking it, you know? And again, this is where two people who have no idea about Emma's greater agenda, Harriet is like, I'm just the assistant. I'm literally going to do anything I'm told to do by Emma. And there's Senator James Elton, who's just like, yeah, this, my matchmaker is advising me to do a practice day. I'm going to do this. Well, they are forced into the situation. And Emma's like trying to force chemistry. Here's the other thing, though, is what, what I do like about this client in particular is that there are so many miscommunications hmm. because Emma is so desperately trying to get him interested in Harriet and he's being nice about it. He's like doing everything he she says yeah. because he's trying to impress her. Yes. So like yes. you need to go into all of his interactions with Harriet thinking Emma's watching me. Emma's paying attention. I need to say, like, I, I have to do I'm, good. I'm I need doing, to be... Yeah, I'm going along with emotions. He's like, I, he doesn't like her. He's just like, I need to be good at this. Yeah. So that she's impressed. So, he, yeah, so to spend more time with Emma, I just need to go along with everything she's saying. But really, I already know that we're a great match. So, like, let's pretend. Yeah. Let's both pretend while we both figure out that we're great for each other. So first celery soda, and now it turns out we both like coffee. What are the odds? Maybe Martin would have been able to pack him. Oh, Harriet. Bless oh, Harriet. her innocent little heart. She can't get through one sentence without mentioning B-Mart. You've got one job, Harriet. You're not supposed to mention Martin on a date at all. A practice and date. And the first thing you do is mention his name. Just poor girl. She's just not over him. Oh. Of course, I'm, it's been days since the rejection happened. So yes. she's still going through it. And Emma is reminding us of Pars. Yes, some great. She does give some great first date advice. Pars is pay attention, remain sincere. Yeah, that's not hard. I don't yeah. think. Seems like basic, a basic thing to do. But you know, some people need reminding. Yep. And so then they go through their practice date, which is like, like honestly, like it looks nice. It looks like a nice practice date because yeah. um, 
They're they're polite. They're paying yeah. attention. They have, they're remaining sincere. You know, she, well, she's like, I like musicals. And he's like, I like that you like musicals. I also, does he say anything about liking musicals? I don't think so. But he like, no. I mean, you don't have to have everything in common, but you at least need to like respect what the other person likes. Exactly. And he, he does a good job of that. He's like, I respect that you like musicals. And I heard you were really good at the ukulele. Yeah. I want to hear you play sometime. That would get me. If some guy, if like some cute guy said, I want to hear you sing, I'd be like, Stop it. I'm no Disney princess. I just flipped my hair, everyone. <laughs> like, I'm no Disney princess. Let me get my ukulele, you know? Like, <laughs> like within minutes, being like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, I have been preparing for this moment my entire life. Yeah. Like, so, but she was trying to, like, lay low on that because yeah, she didn't want to. Oh, she's fine. She's a modest person. She's not bragging about the fact that she can play the ukulele that she sings and like you know it's just information that comes out and he shows interest and she's like oh no like how do but, i do with interest <laughs> <laughs> then they mention the icelandic yogurt yeah they, they talk go about that they for go a bit through the weird foods that he eats and icelandic yogurt being one of them i mean honestly he's an appealing guy after yeah. that conversation i wouldn't i can see where emma would be like oh there's something that like he's very good at creating something like a personal relationships with people it's just not like like especially with like an ambitious guy like senator elton there's just like there, there's a difference between him being nice to you and him like really going after you and like showing an interest in right. you and like even though i'm seeing him sort of creating a dynamic between them I don't see what you usually see when a, you, someone is being pursued, you know? Yeah, she's mistaking the the politeness he shows everyone for, like, genuine romantic interest. Mm -hmm. And that's where things go awry very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so once the practice date ends, Harriet scurries away to get the phone. They kind of debrief about how the date went. And Elton does use some very specific wording when describing this. Well, it seems you passed the test, Senator. I had a good partner and an excellent instructor. Mm-hmm. Good Harriet, excellent Emma. <laughs> <gasps> it's not like Emma even did anything. Exactly. He's <laughs> complimenting her. Yeah. So there is that, and then he goes his separate way, and then we get to see Knightley again. Yeah, Knightley comes back in. I guess he had Matt Elton, and... He's like, hi, douchebag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to see that on camera. I, you know what's funny? That's is, so dumb that it didn't happen on camera. <laughs> it's so funny because definitely I can see Knightley and Ugh. Elton as these two guys that are like, should get along. They're both nice guys, but like they would meet each other and be like, like, I hate your guts. Exactly. I hate your because face. Because you know what? They like, he would, they would look at each other and look at Emma and be like, oh, it's on. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> like a territory thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like they're business partners and, but then he sees like, oh, Knightley's like an attractive of like well-off guy too and i'm an attractive well-off guy well i want emma and he wants emma so like I, it would have been so hilarious to see that on camera um, oh yeah oh no i would have killed i mean i know they're on camera together i later, know but, but like, like that first meeting i just wanted to let you know that i got to meet our esteemed state senator elton and he's very excited of course he is and he's very excited to be working with you. He's um, jealous. Yeah. He's the jealous way, nightly. The way he says it is like, so he likes being here and he's under his tone. He's like, what insinuating? He's like, and he's into you, Emma. I think Knightley can pick up on the fact that James Elton, I, I think he wouldn't be mad if someone walked out singing Emma's praises because they right. love her. They'd but like, he great. senses that he's a man with an agenda. 
So it's not like he would just compliment someone if it did not in some way right. af- affect him. And he's saying, There's- like, I love working with her because, like, I want her. And that really grinds on nightly. Yeah. He's like, they're, they're a matchmaking services company event planning and all of that. But if he's like seems to be targeting in on in on Emma specifically as like a as like a romantic interest, that's mm-hmm. where Knightley's like, um, what's, red alert, what's going on? Yeah, that's not what we do here. So, no. well, he's also like, that's not what's gonna happen. Yeah. in my company, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm a partner here. I veto you. No, yeah. wrong. Yeah, and there's still some like weirdness between Knightley and Emma. I mean, he asks her like, "Are we good?" Like, and and there's just like a lot that's not said. You don't even know what the other is feeling, and so there's you don't know what's going on with them. And he leaves, and there there is a second where it seems like he's about to turn around back into the room, but he doesn't. He just walks out, and that's where like this is where things get shaky between them. And there's so much tension. Exactly, there's tension. They're not saying what they actually want to say, and so they just keep going through each day, focus on the business. They've kind of already said what they want to say, like like Emma's just like. I believe that I need to change Harriet and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. And she looks at Knightley's opinion as like going against her. And he's like, normally I stand by you and your decisions, but I think that what you're doing is going a little too far and I think you should listen to me. And he's mad that she's not listening to him. And they yell at each other. how how do you move p- they are at an impasse how do you move past that you know they're still kind of mad at each other for having different opinions about the way that Emma's running the business yeah and that's a weird place to be it's very weird like they, they don't want to be mad at each other they just can't help but feel differently about it yeah exactly Emma's still meddling with in Harriet's life and at this point it's just nightly looking away because it's like if they confront that issue again they're just gonna fight again and it's like neither of them wants that so that's where they're at it's mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awful place to be. Yeah. Let's go into the comments then. Jump into the comments section where we read original YouTube comments from when these episodes first aired, starting with episode 17. M says, I have seen couples at the altar that have started out with much less. Who else thought about how Lizzie and Darcy started out? That's a good point. That's very true. You know, and here's what I'll say. In defense of Emma. Yes. We're all looking at this, looking at her and Elton being like, they're so wrong for each other. Ew, did you see the way he didn't care enough about her yoga? I don't know. Like, you could say that. But Darcy, like, Lizzie, we listened to 59 episodes of Lizzie just hating Darcy's guts because no. then we meet him oh, that's and she right. yeah, right. still complains about it. like yeah 60 of the episodes she well, complains about him in episode 60 they're like literally yelling at each other yeah and then <laughs> and then she complains about him to his face yeah and then they get better like you know like I, I will give emma the points of like you have to start somewhere yeah. and you don't have to like have fireworks right away you just have to like get along i don't know yeah that's a good point Quill Cafe says, Emma considers herself quite the puppeteer. After watching this, I have to wonder how many people other than Mr. Knightley realize she's pulling the strings. Emma is most definitely not as subtle as she seems to believe. She just made that's, a point in this, like, subtlety's not her thing at all. She's a direct human person. Yeah, that's a good she's point, She's as subtle though. as I mean, a gun. In this office, Knightley's the only one who calls her out on this. Because, like, what does Harriet know? Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's only been Emma and Knightley for so long. Yeah. So, Busy Score says... I'm sorry, Emma, but Senator Elton is smoother than chocolate syrup and obviously <laughs> flirting with you. The successful, ambitious genius and the poor Harriet is more nervous than a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. What is that reference? That's great. They couldn't be less compatible. Yeah, I want to talk more about Wait. the cat being more like being more nervous than a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. 
<laughs> I'm going to throw that around someday and I see know. if anyone gets it. I, I want to see a cat in a rocking I chair I never now. thought that rocking chairs made they cats very here. nervous? I, I never thought about it. I don't have a cat. I don't have a rocking That's chair. I don't funny. know about any of these things. Elton, super confident man. Harriet is still finding her confidence. They're just, yeah. yeah They're different, you know. le- different places in life. They're you don't different. want her. Yeah, exactly. Nausicaa 17 says, somehow he doesn't seem as slimy slash social ladder climbing as his counterpart in the book. Not that I'm complaining, really. Whatever the other problems this series may have, they definitely got all the casting of the male characters done way right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning of like, in all the other adaptations, he's not really that appealing. So it's Mm. easy to put him off. But in this one, yeah. Episode 18, Samantha says, I love how Knightley, who doesn't pick up on social cues very well, notices that Elton has a crush on Emma and she, the social genius, does not. Blinded by her own success. Yep. Muse Chick 101 says, has anyone else ever noticed how insecure Emma is? Because as much as she preaches confidence and stuff like that, one harsh word from Knightley can crush her soul. She puts a lot of stock into his opinion of her. That's actually a very poignant observation. In general, I think she does, she is comfortable marching, marching to the beat of her own drum. Yeah. But it's Knightley who means so much to her and that's why his comments can like make or break her yeah definitely <laughs> sheris logia says mr elton is so full of it his weird foods are basically chocolate chips hot sauce and yogurt <laughs> really mr elton really oh and look at how cool i am i have friends who make fun of me in an expensive watch i'm such a cool person but creeper oh i forgot about the watch yeah <laughs> um, basically i mean there were so many comments there were comments that were kind of split on elton so i wanted to get differences in perspectives on how people viewed him that's true that's true so i love that it's just like weird foods they're like basically chocolate chips hot sauce and you know yogurt. he's not even so much mentioning stuff that's weird so much yeah. as it is so much as it is upscale right i'm like we get it you shop at whole foods yeah. you know <laughs> we get it girly's world says I actually like Elton. He seems to be genuinely nice to Harriet. I'm not sure whether or not that's because he's really a good politician or that they're not making him quite as slimy as in the book. I'd actually like for him and Harriet to be friends. I think they could be friends. I think I think they would be polite party guest I think friends they, where like they see each other and like, oh, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? And then they never talk to each other during the week. I think they could be excellent acquaintances. Yes. I think they would make the very best of acquaintances where they meet. He makes another president joke. Yep. She laughs and is like, hey, I got a new ukulele. And he's like, that's fantastic. Send me the video. She doesn't. He doesn't watch it. They move on with their lives. And they say hi at all the other parties they see each other at. Yeah. That's a very polite relationship that they would just have with each other. And nothing more. So that's where we're at. I mean, we have Elton as the new client. He's you know, showing hints of interest in Emma, and Emma is still determined to put him and Harriet together, so. Such is life. Yep. This episode has been Pemberley Podcast Approved. approved.